Welcome to another A24 Vibe discussion. Tonight we're doing a Mount Rushmore draft of apocalyptic films in lieu of us reviewing an all-time A24 classic next week in It Comes at Night. If you don't know what a Mount Rushmore draft is, we're going to randomly determine a draft order and then each person will draft their favorite apocalyptic movie and when one person picks a movie, no one else can pick it. It will be done snake draft style, so the person that picks fourth will get two picks in a row, and then it will snake back to the person who picks first. So on and so forth. We will all end up with four movies, or a Mount Rushmore of apocalyptic movies, and you, dear listener, will get to vote on who had the best Mount Rushmore on our social media. But first, as we start every A24 on the Rocks episode, we will let you know what we are drinking. My name's Eric Kiska, and I'm drinking a Bud Light. Up next, we have a special guest in place of Kelly, and that is the Sultan of Cybersecurity, the Ayatollah of InfoSec, my sister, <laughs> Caitlin Kiska. Caitlin, what are you drinking? Thank you. Hello. I am drinking a Finnish long drink, and then Ooh. I can pivot to either Angel's Envy or I can stay with this, depending on what, what everyone thinks. Actually, I think I might go to the Angel's Envy. So, Very nice. Yes. Cole, what are you drinking? Hey, it's Cole and Willa Gibson. I am severely jet lagged and pretty tired, so I'm living it up with some <laughs> white claws from the fridge, boys. Nice. Kevin? Very how good. How about you? Good evening, world. It's Kevin K. Konkonachek, and tonight I'm drinking one of my favorite cocktails. Uh, it's a downtown Toodaloo Rock and Rye with a little Ooh. bit of apple cider. So, delicious. Very Sounds nice. delicious, actually. <laughs> <laughs> So, before we randomly determine our draft order, I do want to say that we picked all these films off a Wikipedia list of apocalyptic films, so there was a predetermined list of movies we could and could not pick from. You can look up that list by googling list of apocalyptic films wiki. Before we get into this draft, I do want to ask each of our co-hosts here, in lieu of our subject today, if there was a zombie apocalypse, what would your zombie apocalypse plan be? Caitlin, since you're our guest, let's start with you. So I've known this for a while. I would hijack a boat. I would commandeer a, a large yacht, and then I would take it places, and then that way you only have to go on land with the zombies like when you actually need something. So, so yeah, um, would you would yeah. you be fishing for food mostly? I would fish. I would pillage. Obviously, um, I would. You'd be you know, I would, Viking. Basically, I'd go on a shore <laughs> excursion, like a cruise. But the shore excursion, obviously, you're fighting zombies and stealing food and bringing it back to your boat. So that's what yeah. would happen. Cole, what's your plan? I know you you moved to Alaska, so uh, I'm sure you have you already have a plan in in the works right now, right? Yeah, I mean, step one of the plan was to get as north as possible because everyone knows the undead don't have blood flow, so they just freeze. So while you guys are all fighting, you know, fighting zombies, they're all just going to be frozen popsicles where I'm hanging out. So um, I'm just going to be chilling. Uh, you know, I got a small collection of firearms. I'll be hanging out, hunting, just generally living the best life I can up here. So what will you do when the electricity goes out and you no longer can get heat in Alaska? Well, good thing uh, we have our all of our heats through, like, boilers, so we can run them off a of diesel. Also, I have, like, wood burners, so I can run my okay. heat off a of wood burner. I don't need you, Lure 48, you know? You guys with all your <laughs> fancy electricity and stuff, you know, we're, we're set. We're set. We're ready to go. The, the old-fashioned way, I see. <laughs> Kevin, what's your plan? 
Well, I am uh, packing everything up, grabbing a couple of guns, and like Cole, I'm heading north. I'm going straight to the UP. Uh, I'm going to find a couple cabins up there uh, as I get all my, my gear, and then we're heading to Canada, and we're just going to get lost in the woods. We're pretty much just going to bet on there's enough empty land that no one's touched up there. I'm going to build a cabin and yeah. a wall and a bunch of defenses and just going to survive. I'm going to go straight mountain man, big old grizzly beard. It's going to be great. Hey, Kevin, you can... Uh, I'll you meet can... you there. That's yeah, pretty much what my plan is. Yeah. Just come on up. Just just come on up. You got to... I'm going to raid random Walmarts on the way, though. That's that's the big plan. It's like you just need to find random Walmarts. Do do they still sell firearms at Walmarts? I feel... Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. I thought there was some weird thing where they start stopped selling... Some kind of firearms at Walmart. Maybe an assault rifle, but yeah. they can buy everything else. Either way, I would raid Walmarts and then live, live around. I would be a nomad for sure. Yeah. I think that's the number one uh, thing. You just can't stay in one place for too long. Maybe, okay, if you booby trap everything like in Last of Us, but yeah, like Offerman like, in Last of Us, but yeah. <laughs> what was it? A Walking Dead? They managed to build some pretty big structures. Yeah. Post apocalyptic sure. world. Never last. Though. All right. So, um,. Yeah. So now we are going to randomly determine our draft order. I have a random number generator here, and, uh, and each of us are going to pick a number. Whoever's number is closest to this randomly generated number then gets to go first in our Mount Rushmore draft. Caitlin, what is your number? Three, my lucky number. Three. All right. Uh, Cole, what's your number? Are we only picking one through four? One through 100. Oh, 100? Okay, 42, baby. Yeah. All right, Kevin. How about you? I'm gonna I'm gonna roll this D100 dice that I have in front of me, and okay. uh, it'll tell me the number that we need here. Nice. Fifty nine. Classic. Fifty nine. All right. I'm gonna go sixty seven. That was my okay. uh, football now. Number. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm doing this on random.org, true random number generator. Um, and. I can take a screenshot if uh, anybody accuses me of cheating. So, okay. All right, here we go. One through 100, generate. The number is nine. So that would mean Caitlin would go first. Yeah. All, All right. right. Um, so let's start. And uh, I will say, after you pick your film, give us a brief explanation of why you picked that film uh, so we can reminisce a little bit about uh, our favorite apocalyptic films here. So I'm going to start out, I'm going to take, I think, one of the favorites probably from everyone here, um, which is Children of Men. I absolutely love Children of Men. It's one of my all-time favorite movies, so specifically good. because of Michael Caine, um, when he's like, pull my finger, and that, you know, when he <laughs> has to, like, stop everyone from coming after them. I love that whole scene. I love everything involving Michael Caine in that movie. I like how they portrayed the po post-apocalyptic world, and I think... The reason I like speculative fiction is that it's very close to what you would think you would see like in the real world. And I think that they did an accurate depiction of what a kind of a post-apocalyptic world would look like and how people would interact with each other. Um, so for those reasons, that's my favorite, my first favorite movie. And uh, something I also wanted to mention too, which I thought was very, very interesting is um, when I was looking at all the movies, this was like a fucking heyday for dystopian and apocalyptic movies like there's several of the ones i really liked were from this time period so children of men was 2006 and a lot yeah. of the other really good ones are from all within five years of this too so this was just a, a great time for apocalyptic and dystopian movies as well 
That makes that was on the top of my list too. My number one. If I mm. had the first pick, I would have picked it too. Uh, I love that film. And uh, didn't I send send you something, Caitlin, about how uh, we're literally living like, or is it like 2032 when all of the Children of Men stuff goes down? It's it's uh it's around that time period, but yeah, like we're not living that far away from it. And it takes place in Britain, and it all of it is kind of like started with anti-immigrant sentiment. And yes. uh, yeah, that is not too too much different 20, than the time 27. we're living. Twenty twenty seven. Oh wow, so it's I, coming. Yeah. We'll there, not too much different than the time we're living in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Michael Caine's character is awesome. Apparently, he uh, that was inspired by John Lennon. His character, I guess, how John <laughs> Lennon was publicly, not privately, but yeah. <laughs> um, that is an amazing fact. I did not know. Actually, yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So Cole, you're gonna go second. Um, Kevin will go third. I'll go last because uh, Cole, you had you picked 42. And that's the second closest yes. to uh, the num- random number. Um, so. Children of Men was actually my number right. two. So I'm still uh, happy that I get my number one. It is a uh, a French made graphic novel adapted to film by a Korean director, set in you know in English, and it's Snowpiercer. It is uh, one of my favorite, like, post-apocalyptic yeah. films. Um, just the whole concept of the train, and um, I thought the acting, and just the whole... I like the concept of each car as they, like, work their way through it. as a whole different uh, kind of vibe and theme to it. And, you know, the back of the train is the lower class, working class, and then you get... As they work up to the, to the engine, it just gets more and more crazy. So that's my number one. I absolutely love that film. Great film. Great way to show... Uh, class warfare in a much smaller setting uh, (laughs) set in the future where it, I mean, I think it also was, it had to do with climate change. Why the, Mm -hmm. I did the polar ice caps. um, What, what happened? Why is it all cold again? I, yeah, basically uh, it's just like um, climate change happens to the point where it gets, instead of uh, like super, you know, heating up like we are, it gets to a point where there's a big freeze and a forever winter occurs and everything starts freezing and and nothing thaws and um, everyone retreats. And then this crazy, you know, philanthropist, like billionaire dude was like, I'm going to build a train that's a, you know, perpetual motion train essentially, except for, you know, it's, it's, it's not, there's a certain, uh, sacrifice that they have to make to keep it going so great movie very um i don't know i feel like apocalyptic movies are always ones that i feel like just never get the appreciation and love that they deserve like children of men i think is a fantastic film but i still think it's like criminally underrated in terms of like general you know movie the general viewers i feel like a lot of people haven't seen that and the same thing with snowpiercer i think that one kind of climbed up a little bit when they made that tv show and they got uh one of the Chris's, one of those Chris's was in the movie. So. Chris Evans, there Chris Evans, go. yeah, who was Captain America. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, I'm just imagining Eric, you on the train, just being like, why is it all cold again here? <laughs> <laughs> why is it all cold? I completely forgot. Yeah. Drink too much Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Bong Joon-ho Bong directed that, and he directed Parasite, oh. too. Mm-hmm. Great director. I did not know that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. All right, Kevin, what's your pick at number three? All right, for our listeners out there, I'm going to be completely transparent and honest with you. I was not supposed to be on this episode because I honestly have not seen a lot of these movies. Um, Children of Men, now i got to see it. I've not seen it. Um, I joined this podcast having no idea about 
general movies and perspectives. So my list is a lot of uh, action packers, things that are blockbuster hits, some things that are probably kind of uh, off the wall. I mean, who knows? But uh, either way, I I am excited to get all of your lists, steal them all, and watch them all immediately. So thank you for that. So my number one is going to be the 1999 science fiction action film, The Matrix. Um, I think that this film in general, for me growing up as a kid and seeing kind of what they were able to accomplish from a visual perspective, um, it won four Academy Awards in you know sound editing and sound and visual effects and editing in general. So that film just came across as, as larger than life. Uh, the performances um, from Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne, um, you know, and some of the other major people in that film were just spot on and inspired multiple spinoffs and an entire generation of science fiction fans. Um, it's from a post-apocalyptic standpoint. It kind of shows you what can happen uh, or what might happen if, you know, the machine is able to take over. And uh, it's definitely got a, a lot of staying power, I think, from a cinematic standpoint. And uh, I really like that movie. I know if Kelly were on here, she probably would have also mm-hmm. picked The Matrix as number one. So I felt that it was important to represent that in my list. The Matrix was number two on my list. And yeah, all three of these films were in my top five. Uh after I, you know, drew out, like, my basically top 20. Like, yeah, The Matrix, it's a classic. It'll, I think, stand the test of time, live in our brains forever. It it uh, started a brain worm for all of us that uh, will never, yeah. you know. It, it's kind of like yeah. Keanu. It? He has that worm come out of him. But, you know, for us, <laughs> the worm stays in us, right? Yeah. So. Are we in a simulation? I'm going to go not? one further on this. So not only do is the Matrix, I think, a wonderful pick for this. The, the scene in the Matrix where they're in the steak restaurant and he's eating the steak with the wine is one of my favorite bits of like all time. I love that scene. Sometimes when I get sad, I watch that scene on YouTube and he's eating the steak and he's like, I know my brain is supposed to say that the steak is juicy and delicious. And what, what is it? He's like, but ignorance is bliss. And then he eats the steak. Yeah. And like, I just love that scene. It's, it's yeah. spectacular. Joe Pantaloni, he's so good. And, yeah, he played one of my favorite villains of all time in, in the uh, Sopranos, Ralph Sofretto. But he's just generally a good villain, great villain actor. All right. And so since I get two picks here, uh, going, you know, we're going in snake draft style here, I feel like I I might be a little liberal with my picks here. I th- And I also think one of the films that I would pick might come back to me later. So for my... Number one pick, the fourth pick overall, I'm going to go Wally. Um, it's the Pixar classic, in my opinion, probably the best Pixar film ever made. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but uh, it's just hot. like, it's pretty I, I can see all this happening. It's another film where climate change basically causes the apocalypse on Earth, and it's not a full apocalypse. There are humans that are left. They all have to leave and uh, we all get fat, you know, and our legs get shorter. We basically evolve into lazier and lazier humans. And, I mean, um, statistically, that is happening, actually. Uh, so it's one of those, like, films that was done in a comedic way that if you read just a little bit beyond the surface, it's actually a pretty disturbing concept. Uh, and that's what I love about Wally. So, um, And my next pick will be... So I think there's going to be one that will come back to me later. So I'm, I'm going to leave that there. And I'm going to pick one that I think a lot of people would pick. And that's Mad Max Fury Road. Oh. Um, I, I knew Cole, Cole would not let that one go uh, if it got back to him. And yeah, this was one of my favorite films from 2010 to 2020. Uh, Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron, and just kind of 
the constant action and chase sequence throughout the whole film that just never lets up the anxiety, the thrilling aspect of it, the suspense. It's one of the more well-done films of the last 20 years, and what a great apocalyptic film. So that's what I'm picking for my uh, my second pick and uh, number five overall. Yeah, I mean, uh, thoughts? Fury Road makes 100% sense. That, that, that movie is just so good, and then, like, the visuals in that film are just phenomenal from the like the soundtrack to the explosions and all the over-the-top practical effects stuff i absolutely love that film uh wally i feel like was a bold choice but it's also like i mean it is a, a fantastic film and when you really think about it, it is pretty you know pretty dark and very uh telling about our societal ways where everyone is just getting lazier and lazier and instead of trying to fix um you know the environment and our problems you know the way we fix things is we you know, build something to do it for us, right? <laughs> you know, instead of cleaning yeah. up the trash or maybe let's eliminate or reduce trash, they're like, we're going to build a bunch of little robots. We'll take the trash and make it into cubes. Yep. You're just like, that doesn't solve <laughs> <fuck all> anything. <laughs> yeah. And then the little robot just watching the, like, classic uh, films, classic musicals. Or is, isn't it just one film that he watches over and over again? I completely forgot the film. It's, it's the yeah. scene from yeah. Singing in the Rain. Yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> Singing in the Rain, yep. And, yeah, yeah that little touch to it just kind of gives us a bit of Hollywood, too. And it makes it all the more charming, in my opinion. So <laughs> That movie makes me hysterically cry. Like, yeah. his It's very sad. Yeah. yeah. When and he's sitting... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, please. Yeah. I was going to say Mitsu, the scene where he's just crying and waiting for her and the rain's going down and yep. he's just waiting and aging the whole time. It's yeah. just like... Yes. Yeah. Just dying. And <laughs> I will say this, this again, this list was woefully incomplete of what is considered an apocalyptic film. But for lovers of Wally who like to personify electronics, um, also in this genre is The Brave Little Toaster, an excellent, excellent oh. film. <laughs> <laughs> so I could good. see I could see the brave little toaster inspiring the like concept of how they actually built Wally, you know, like how they made him look too. And if we wanted to kind of twist it on its head, the brave yeah. little toaster is an apocalypse movie, but just for uh, household appliances. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was yeah. really hoping you were going to say Maximum Overdrive, which is uh, Stephen King's only <laughs> directorial debut where all the semi-trucks and cars just come to life and start killing people. Yeah. Such, such an amazingly <laughs> terrible film. Yeah, there's a whole montage of people pumping gas. Like, just a legit montage of people, like, overheating, and, like, their hands are getting blistered, and they're like, oh, my God, I'm dying. And they're just, like, all the semis are like, you've got to keep fucking pumping the gas. <laughs> I stand corrected. It looks like it's Hello, Dolly, instead of Singing in the Rain for okay. Wally. Hello, yes. Dolly. Close I was like, why? Yeah. If they ever make the stand into a a series of films, or maybe just like a Netflix TV series, that will be fucking fantastic as an apocalyptic series or film. Uh, I know they they did make it into a TV series a long time ago. I never saw that though. But all right, Kevin, uh, your second pick and oh, yeah. uh, six overall here. This massive list is just full of bangers and I could make a list of 25 movies that I probably would, you know, enjoy rewatching again. And now I'm into the spot where I go what do I pick that other people might pick, don't pick, want to pick. 
I don't know. I'm all over the board, so I want to make sure that I secure one of my favorite movies of all time that's on this list. I'm sticking with 1999, and we're going with the great comedy movie Dogma. <laughs> oh, Dogma. Oh, okay. that's cool. on this? That yes, is on this. Yep. That is that's on this movie. list. Um, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, one of these movies that, growing up as a Catholic schoolboy, there was nothing better than watching this film yep. at an age where I was like, fuck you, everybody, <laughs> including the fucking Catholic Church. And yeah. this movie stood by as one of those things where you can do it. George Carlin coming out as the priest and introducing yep. Buddy Christ is one of the most iconic scenes in my entire life. I fucking love that movie. I used to have it on my old iPod video, which is, if you can remember, the size of your hand. I downloaded, like, an MP4 and had it on this iPod video along with, like, Anchorman wow. and one other movie that I would just watch, like, constantly. Uh, I could probably recite every line from that movie. Uh, I really, 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 really like that. Oh, and shout-out to Alan Rickman as well. Yeah. Uh, Alan Rickman makes that uh, great, great role as the, as the angel. And uh, I think I might watch this after this conversation because I just want to go see it again. So one of my favorite uh, Kevin Smith movies, and I think they like replayed it on comedy. Was it Comedy Central where they replayed Mm -hmm. it all the time on TV? Obviously, the edited version constantly. Yeah, and so I I think I saw the edited version before I saw the unedited version. And yeah, that that movie is fantastic. One of my like probably favorite screenplays of the '90s. Um, I'm kind of a Kevin Smith stan. During that time period, he has not made a good film in a little while. But, uh, yeah, Dogma's great. Any other ideas on Dogma, or shall we move to Cole's pick? I think this, again, really strong pick. I would not think of this as a, an apocalyptic movie, but I had the similar experience, too, where, like, kind of just growing up in a very Catholic area, mm-hmm. this was a, a very formative movie for me, and I remember it making me, it kind of reinforcing a lot of the beliefs that I was questioning at the time. So, yeah. excellent. Sure. All right, Cole. What is your second pick? Man, this is getting hard because there's there's like two that are basically the same movie done in completely different lights, and I think I'm gonna go with. Okay, let's do Shaun of the Dead. I absolutely love like Ooh, Nick Frost and all those guys like. <laughs> Uh, the what do you call it? The Cornetto trilogy, where it's like hot Simon fuzz. Pegg, yeah, yeah, Shaun of the Dead, oh, and um, this is the end. People, uh, I, I watched this uh, in college in one of the film classes I took. I wasn't a film major, but I you know took a few film classes, and people hold this up as like one of the best examples of satire uh, in all of film, and I think it is kind of an instant classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, right after they put it out, everybody's just was just kind of like, this is genius. Yeah, just the satire of the zombie movie, which is so built up uh, in film over since the 1960s, since Night of the Living Dead. It's it's pretty ingenious for sure. And it was like such a breath of fresh air with all the zombie movies. I mean, there's so yeah. many there's so many zombie yeah. movies and there's very few zombie movies that do it like extremely well. Um, but they took such mm-hmm. a, a fun spin on it and just everything about it was just so, so perfect and. Yeah, I can watch that thing. Probably probably will watch that maybe tomorrow. I don't know why I just thought about this now, but is that movie more funny because it's British? So like Monty Python, right? Is that more funny because it's British? Is it as as in general, whether it whether the humor is more funny, accents, whatever may have you, does that set it up to be more of a hilarious film? I, I think that like the setting in like 
you know, over in like Britain is what makes it probably more funny. I don't know if their accents do, but the idea, but the fact that like there's not a lot of guns over there and there's like not a bunch of like military dudes like in America that are running around if the zombie apocalypse yeah. happens. It's a good I think point. that both the, like yeah, lended really to point. kind of just the campiness and the fact that, you know, what's a stereotypical British dude going to do when shit gets bad? We're going to the pub, baby. Go We're to going the to the Winchester. Yeah. There's a, you know, why is it called the Winchester? Because it's got the one gun in, you know, the tri-county area. So, yeah, just everything about it is so yes. good. Oh, good times. All right. Caitlin, what is your second pick? And you get two picks here. So I love it's the this. other, okay, other end of the snake. All right. So I'm going to do for number two, I'm going to do Resident Evil. Mm. I love Resident Evil. I did not know this was a genre I liked until it showed up for me on Netflix where it was recommended movies and it said strong female lead. I love any kind of movie with a strong female lead where someone's kicking ass. And in this, you have two, right? You have me, Mila Jovovich. Did I, am I pronouncing that correct? I think I'm so. Getting close. I'm yeah. close. Yeah, yeah. I think and so. got her in her wonderful dress and the fucking kick-ass boots just going around kicking, literally kicking the shit out of things. And then you have Michelle Rodriguez, who's absolutely spectacular. Um, the laser scene where everyone gets cut into lasers and you watch their bodies melt in the weird way. The fucking <laughs> dogs. Just such a, a wonderful movie. And also, too, I think this was a nice movie because it, it did have a lot of suspense in it as well, where I, it, it wasn't necessarily very formulaic. I didn't know really where it was going to go. And it's just um, also very heavily stylistic. And I love how everything's underground, um, which I can see kind of us trending that way as a society. So number two is Resident Evil. Um, are we holding commentary till after I do number three as well? Or? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, number three, 28 Days Later. I really liked, I love this movie. I love when they get into the house with all the military people and they think they're going for shelter and to be saved and stuff like that, but really they have to band together and kick the crap out of the military people. Um, I love when he goes to look for his parents and find his parents dead because like, you know, that's, I think a lot of, when you see a lot of these zombie movies, you're like, what would I do in this situation? Would I try to find someone? Would I go look for someone? So I like 28 Days Later a lot as well. And that, again, is from this kind of era in the early, early 2000s, which there were just some classic dystopian movies that were released. And I believe this that was one of them. So yeah. that's my number three pick. I never saw Resident Evil. And of course, I know it's a video game. What it, Like a lot of people think it's one of the better video games of all time, right? And uh, yeah. yeah, like you got to definitely give props to films that were adapted from video games and actually did it well. That's actually very rare. 28 Days Later, I really like, uh, it's, first of all, off, it's an indie film, small budget, but also there just, like, wasn't a lot of good zombie films that, uh, had been created since, like, Evil Dead and Night of the Living Dead, like, you had those two, and then I feel like the 80s and 90s were kind of, uh, they didn't have a lot of good night, or, uh, zombie films in those two decades, and I feel like 28 Days Later kind of brought back the zombie film, and, um... Yeah, you had that, then you had 28 Weeks Later, and I feel like all in that span, like, right after 28 Days Later, I think Shaun of the Dead was created, and then Walking Dead was not far behind from there, then you have Zombieland, like, hmm. you, I think it kind of brought back this zombie genre, so, like, big props to 28 Days Later for that. Yeah, I fucking love that movie. Uh, Killian Murphy is 
brilliant yep. in that. And the fact that it was able to create an entire genre of zombie itself mm-hmm. with the speed running zombies yep. is incredible. Like when people talk about zombie lore or whatever, that movie introduced an entire new style of zombie to the cinematic world. And I just get chills thinking about it because that's the most terrifying fucking zombie in the planet. Mm-hmm. The one that's sprinting at you <laughs> instead of the slow. Yeah. Like, no, nah, no, that movie fucking terrifying. Great choice. Yeah. Yeah. 28 Days Later was, the, yeah, that was the one I was deciding between Shaun of the Dead and 28 Days Later. Cause uh, I just, it, that movie is just so good. And like Kevin was saying, you know, 28 Days Later basically made zombie movies scary again. Cause zombies had not been scary for, I don't know, what seemed like forever. And then they brought out this one where the zombies were, you know, one drop of blood and they could run and they're, you know, pretty terrifying. And then Resident Evil, I absolutely love the, the games and then the movies are uh you know they are so hit and miss but that man that first one is so good and uh i like that uh caitlin said that she doesn't you never know where it's gonna go i don't know if they necessarily where know where their film franchise is going because they get pretty wild and pretty crazy <laughs> but overall they're they're just a lot of fun yeah. and a good time i was gonna say my last thing about resident evil the one thing i also really liked which we're definitely seeing now is like these kind of mega evil corporations like in um, resident evil like the big bad is this thing called umbrella corp and it's this faceless faceless corporation and you don't really know what's behind it it's like this own its own monolithic evil type and i think we're actually seeing that nowadays with some of the larger corporations so (laughs) greed all right, Cole, what's your third pick? I think Mount Rushmore needs more faces on it is what I think, because this is getting way too hard. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, you know, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go with Akira. Um, I think it, that movie just from like, uh, nice. you know, the animation and the art and just everything. It's so stylized and so amazing. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, it's fairly popular but it's i feel like it's exploded recently in popularity just because people are becoming more and more aware of it and anime is becoming more and more mainstream and then then uh you know i also like seeing all the the films that take inspiration from akira like the akira slide with the motorcycle has been like introduced into so many films and uh that that movie is just phenomenal and if you don't like anime Watch that. Watch Graveyard of Fireflies, and you'll understand that they are they are like art in good films. Yeah, I uh, I never saw that film until last week, and uh, Kelly and I watched that <laughs> together, and that's a phenomenal film. And I agree, it kind of like started this. Uh, I Japanese anime mangas were already a thing at the time, mm-hmm. but like it definitely uh, didn't carry over into the United States. I think until Graveyard of Fireflies and Akira. Uh, as kind of cultural touch points that Americans started to actually just get kind of turned on to. Um, And it it was a really good film. Kelly would be proud. I guess I have to see it now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. Another definitely a Japanese film that it it kind of touches on the thoughts of uh, nuclear energy, too. There's that kind of undercurrent throughout the whole film, as a lot of Japanese films do. (laughs) Um, Kevin, all right, what's your third pick? All right, so this film... Uh, is definitely one of these uh, childhood favorites from an action-packed standpoint. We're going to go with the 1991 American science fiction action film Terminator 2 Ooh, Judgment Day. T2, baby. James Cameron co-wrote, you know, like I talked about, Arnold Schwarzenegger was starring role here. Why I like this film so much is it did something really unique where it took the villain from the first movie 
and did uh, a face swap, essentially, and turned him from heel to face uh, and made him the good guy. Uh, and I thought that was really cool because it changed the perspective of what the audience was thinking about going into the film and then left them coming out with a totally different perspective. It was a film that really, much to Cole's chagrin, ushered in the reliance to CGI in a lot of ways and kind of went away from some practical effects and started using some of the digital work that we see in later um, action films. And it was just one of those things where it's kind of relatively well thought of as one of the best sequels of all time because it kind of, you know, spawned another five, six or whatever films where Cameron initially intended to end it after Terminator 2. It was just really, really well done. I liked it. it it's something that sticks out as something uh, pretty memorable from cinema history. So I think Arnold will be a, a good representation on my mountain. So, Yeah, I, I think it's better than the first Terminator. And I remember watching this, I think, in high school. And yeah, it like... Uh, it takes the themes of the original one and expands on it. It's the classic example of like a fantastic sequel to a movie. And James Cameron directed that one too. And he, that was really what uh, kind of put James Cameron, I think Aliens and Terminator 2 was really what put James Cameron on the map and like allowed him to eventually make Titanic. People started just giving him more and more money and just said like, yeah, make whatever the fuck you want, dude. We believe in you. And he usually succeeds in that. So, yeah, Terminator 2 was a great film, though. I, I agree that the use of CGI, you know, it did uh, kind of revolutionize the thing with the melted, you know, metal man that can phase through walls. Uh, but uh, that that movie, I think, does a great job of, you know, trailing the line between CGI and practical effects because there's so much practical effects throughout that film. One of my favorite scenes in that film is where they're – um, he's chasing uh, Terminator and John Connor. He's got the uh, the semi, and he just blasts through a wall and jumps it down into the um, whatever that ditch, that drainage ditch area. And that was done all practical. And what blew my mind about that whole scene is I was watching like behind the scenes, and when they drove that thing off the bridge, broke the wall, landed, and kept driving, the, the it was actually under its own power. That semi held up throughout that whole thing. So. That's uh, pretty awesome. You don't see that in CG. You know, I just watched all the Fast and Furious movies, and I'll tell you what, Fast 9 and Fast 10, Damn holy straight. shit, every car was CGI, and it killed me. I've never seen any of the Terminator movies, but I love Arnold Schwarzenegger as a human. I think he's actually a really interesting immigrant success story. I like that he speaks so openly about some of the mistakes that he made and how he basically fucked up his marriage, and he's very open about that. And I will say this, I read this recently because he just came out with like a biography or something. And this quote caught my eye where he, a lot of the biography, he talks about calves and he said, calves are the biceps of the legs. <laughs> and he, he talks a lot about the importance of calves and how you must so. always work out your calves because they're the biceps of the leg. I'm like, I, I, I love this man. He's bizarre. <laughs> and so I think it's a fun, a fun pick, even though I've never seen it. Yeah. So. Also, the best Apprentice host ever. Um, really? All right. He's the, the yeah, governator. He, yeah, he, he ended up being the Apprentice host after Donald Trump. So, <laughs> All right, so I get two picks here, and this will be tough for me. Uh, there's a few left on this list that I didn't think would be left when it came back to me. But, uh, you know, I'm going to have to bite the bullet on this one because I love this film so much. I originally didn't like think this should be on apocalyptic film list um but it was it was on our list 
And I guess there are aspects of, uh, you know, a possible apocalypse coming. And so that my uh, third pick will be Blade Runner 2049. Not the original Blade Runner, but Blade Runner 2049. I think it's better than the original, personally. Again, a classic example of, I think, a sequel taking the themes of the original and expanding on them exponentially. And the uh, director, Dennis Villanueva, he also did Dune recently. He's, like, one of my favorite directors in Hollywood nowadays. And he's just, like, I don't know. He he takes what Ridley Scott did again. And I, I just feel like the cinematography in this film was so beautiful on top of on top of all the acting in it, like Ryan Gosling is kind of a great just bot that doesn't have a lot of feelings, and uh, he basically plays like he plays like the same character as he did in Drive, but he's just a bot, you know. And I don't know, I I really love that film. Uh, and my fourth pick, I had to have a comedy on here, and um, this is probably one one of the funniest films I've seen in the last fifteen years. And that is, this is the end. Uh, yeah, I'm putting this on my list. And, uh, I mean, it's like, it takes, like, revelations from the Bible. That's the the apocalypse story that it draws from. And that was such a bold move by, like, Seth Rogen and the writers to do that. And I, I don't think I've laughed my ass off more in the last, like, 15 years at a film. Like, it, it's, there's other films that I probably laughed equally, but, like, it's definitely up there. And Michael Sarah's character at the start, um, it, it's that's just like one of my favorite like little cameos in film uh, to ever be. And yeah, I, that's my fourth pick. I gotta have it on my list. So uh, my my four are Wally, Mad Max Fury Road, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and this is the end. Thoughts? I um, don't like that last pick. I thought that movie was no? stupid. Really? Yeah. Like, Damn. Yeah, and it it like. That it was interesting though because that came at such a time where like the Seth Rogen, who's that guy he works with all the time? James Franco. James Franco. No, not James Franco. Well, Daniel James Pride. Franco. Hello, that's yeah. fucking problematic there. Yeah. And then um, you, there's actually during the whole, um, what is the guy with the, the curly hair? Danny McBride. Danny McBride. No, the scandal. Oh my gosh, Danny McBride. No, 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 no. The, Danny McBride's in there. Yeah. No, the guy who just had the scandal because he was. Oh, Jonah was, Hill. So when all the Jonah Hill stuff came out, there's a whole bunch of stuff that Jonah Hill was like actively bullying people on the set and made it very uncomfortable for them to work on the movie. And they all talked about it at the time. They're like, yeah, he like was actively running around being an asshat to people. And um, that's his character in the film. (laughs) But like, yeah. It just seems to have a bunch of asshats in it, that movie. You know what I mean? And like people who now like a ton of people who have sexual harassment scandals or were basically covering for people who had active sexual harassment scandals like that just was such an ugly time for me um and it's not even that funny of a movie it's it's not i think it's a hilarious movie but yeah that's just me and i don't know i just like i if you like there there's so many films uh can we i i can appreciate the movie and like still not like the actors in it i think you know yeah it just gives me a bad taste in my mouth that movie okay you know, can for you, me, so. can you rewatch seven and uh, still like seven? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> see, like, you know, <laughs> and Kevin Spacey is almost because of everything that came out about him. That film is almost even more creepy now. And so I, I do think, though, like there is something to be said where we can watch movies. And even though the actors in it, like, ended up being problematic or shitty, 
we can appreciate the movie on its own. I I, I still believe that. I don't think but... that's a, that good of a movie, though. That's the problem. Okay. Is like, yeah. So that's here's fair. my two cents on this is the end. I think it was Seth Rogen and a bunch of his friends sitting around getting really, really fucking stoned and being like, wouldn't it be funny if we wrote this? And they went, yes. we have the money to do it. And then they did it. Yes. And then they went, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we got Hermione Granger to come and do this? Let's get Emma Watson on the phone. And they brought her in. Like, it was just random as hell. And it, I mean, nothing against Eric. I love your opinion on everything. But I also did not enjoy that movie. Okay. Cole, did you not like that film? watched it and i thought michael Sarah was pretty funny but otherwise like not my favorite film um although a bunch wow. of cocaine in that okay movie. i'm alone on it <laughs> so kelly, kelly and i uh, rewatched it recently and she like loved it too so maybe i just like it stands as a cultural touch point in time uh for me and nobody else but yeah I was just going to say that the movie itself, it reminds me of like kind of how Adam Sandler takes all of his friends and makes a movie, but his are more just like slapstick comedy. While this one felt like Seth Rogen and all of his friends made a movie and it was just a bunch of like stoner humor. And I don't know, it just doesn't necessarily land as well for me, I suppose. I'd rather watch Pineapple Express if I'm going to watch Seth Rogen's stoner humor. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, Kevin, what's your fourth pick? Oh, yes. All right, so the people listening to my list will be like, yeah, he's got three really good bangers, and all of a sudden we get to this movie, and they'll be like, what the hell is this dude doing? But it doesn't matter, because this is one of my favorite apocalyptic films ever, uh, and it's the probably little-known or overly-known, depending on who you are and what circles, the 1995 American action film Waterworld. Yes. That's right, Waterworld. Yep. Uh, Kevin Costner has got an ability to just be one of my favorite actors maybe ever. Dances with Wolves, The Postman, Waterworld, some of these great just 90s classics. And for me, Waterworld is just so over the top, so absolutely ridiculous. At the time, it had the highest budget of any movie created at 1995, at like $175 million or something. It was absolutely astronomical. Um, for those of you who've seen it, the, the set pieces are massive. The the scenery involved in the, the, the Hollywood action-ness to this is just over the top. Well worth your watch. Um, didn't get a ton of critical acclaim, but it's uh, a cult classic, and it certainly lives in my brain rent-free constantly um, as one of just the great uh, examples of uh, mid-'90s cinema, uh, and especially post-apocalyptic world where there is no land, only water, and what happens. Because honestly, that's probably more realistic than anything else. Ice caps, everything else, the whole nine yards were all the land's going to sink, water's coming up. So, you know, we should probably skip boats. I love, if, has, have you guys seen Waterworld? Yeah. Eric and I actually Eric. have not. Oh. It, it is asinine in a beautiful, entertaining way. It's fucking ridiculous in, a, in like a happy, strange, just delicious way. It, it's worth watching it's it's excellent it's very unique it's creative to the point of being asinine where you're like how the fuck did these people come up with some <laughs> of this shit like but in a, a wonderful happy way and it's like it's just a, a treat to watch i love it so dennis hopper plays the villain um and he's absolutely brilliant uh, as well and it's just like he's said, a great it's really fun yeah. really fun to watch yeah. the yeah. costuming the costuming yes, is spectacular. The, oh my god iconic yeah. absolutely iconic yeah and they made uh you know a whole universal water world stunt show so you know it has to be has to be tucked (laughs) also they argue they like fight isn't i I haven't seen this movie in forever but isn't there a whole like arc or maybe it's the main point of them trying to find a jar of dirt or trade for it or fighting over it or something yeah 
There's no green. There's no greenery on Earth. There's no plants. There's nothing. So the idea is that if you can get Earth or if you can grow something, you can start again. Um, although the currency in that film is cigarettes, which are all rolled in paper. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's besides the point. <laughs> Kevin's uh, top four here. The Matrix, Dogma, Terminator 2, and Waterworld. Cole, what is your fourth film? You know, there's 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 a few that I'm trying to decide. There's either like the super well done like cinematography artsy style one. There's the like you know, end of the world, everything is terrible, life is terrible, it's never gonna get better, like more of a realistic approach to it. Or there's the super fun, just like a great film that I'd think no one watched. And I'm trying to decide which of the three I wanna pick. Um you know what? The, are... the great film that no one watched is Sex Mission, right? Sex Mission. From 1984. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> sorry. sorry, there's just some weird shit on here that I'm like, what yeah. is some of this stuff? But continue. Sorry, continue though. No. Uh, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick the Rover. I mean, we're an A24 podcast. I've you know talked about how much I love the Rover. Um, you know, Eric already stole Mad Max Fury Road, so I'm gonna pick the Australian like super not over the top action very low key stakes of just a man who's trying to get his car back in post apocalyptic you know australian outback such a good film such a beautifully shot film that uh, i think you know doesn't uh, get you know maybe all the deserves or accolades it should have um robert pattinson's in it and this film was the one where i watched it it completely changed my mind of him as an actor altogether you know, I think this was, I'm pretty sure this was his first film after Twilight where he wanted to get away from it and fucking, he fucking nailed it, man. Such a good film. I, I kind of wish now that I picked It Comes at Night for my fourth film. Um, especially, <laughs> it sounds like I'm going to get shit on for This is the End uh, by other people on social media too, but that's fine. But yeah, The Rover being the fourth film, I I liked The Rover a lot. I just, I think It Comes at Night is a better apocalyptic film if we're talking A24, but uh the Rover is definitely more of a, a coal film because it's kind of a Western, too. So I can see that um, for sure being on. Can I? Uh, I just want to put yeah. a, an honorable mention. Uh, if you like Mad Max in The Rover and you like, you know, desert apocalyptic movies, but instead of cars, everyone has BMX bikes. Uh, it's called Turbo Kid, and it is so fucking good. And no one has ever seen it. <laughs> Turbo I Kid. Okay. absolutely love that movie. It's just a bunch of kids with BMX bikes. And there's a bad dude who has like a chainsaw for an arm, and uh, they're all fighting it out in the middle of a desert with BMX bikes. It's pretty fucking sick. I'm excited because I just looked forward at our uh, A24 uh, schedule, and it looks like I get to host. It comes at night, according to our dealio. Yep. So yep. I'm pretty freaking stoked about that because I had no film. idea it was a classic and all this other shit. So now I got to really concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Cole's top four is Snowpiercer, Shaun of the Dead, Akira, and The Rover. All right, Caitlin, what is your fourth film? So I'm glad that this one was still available because it really kind of tells a nice arc, and I'm excited to kind of expound on this for a second. Uh, number four is Dr. Strangelove. Um, mm-hmm. Iconic movie for a reason. Um, one of the things that I really liked about this project in general, when I say this project, researching these films is seeing the kind of evolution of what an apocalyptic movie looks like. And if you actually go back to the apocalypse movies around the time of Dr. Strangelove, a lot of them are nuclear heavy. They're nu- nuclear threats, communism, things like that. And then as we get into 
90s, 2000s, we see it switch mm-hmm. to like disease vectors. And so I think it's really interesting in apocalyptic movies, what we're thinking of as causing the apocalypse and how that mirrors what we're scared of in, in like the human mindset at the time. Does that make any sense? Yeah, definitely. 100%, absolutely. Yeah, like Dr. Strange of nuclear war yeah. uh, threat for sure. C- yeah. Computers or a Stephen King semi trucks, yeah. right? <laughs> like, um, and so I'm curious, and this is my kind of question to all of you. Do you see future apocalyptic movies still fo- focusing a lot on disease vectors like we have in the last 10 years? Or do you think it's going to change? Or what do you what do you think is going to be causing the apocalypse? Like what's front of mind for people right now? I think personally, computers say, and AI, AI are going to take over a little bit. Robots, uh, AI, yeah. I think people are going to revisit the idea that that computers are going to become sentient and start killing people. Yeah, right. Exactly. Ex Machina is going to literally happen sooner, very much later than later. So I think that's that. That'll be the start. So instead of zombies, it'll be robots. Ex Machina was not on our list of possible films to pick from, but because it was so, I mean, there's only two other people in there besides Ava. So like, yeah, I agree that shouldn't be an apocalypse film. But yeah, sorry. I was just saying it wasn't Westworld level yet. Yeah, yeah, it was very localized at that point. But uh, yeah, I mean, like there, there's a artificial intelligence AI. That's the Steven Spielberg film with Haley Joel Osment. That was uh, from the list we could pick from. Oh, I remember and, that one. Yeah, I feel like that was a good film. It just didn't like take it to the level. That was fucking weird. That yeah, was yeah, it was weird a weird film. Movie. I was gonna say that. Um, just- Stanley Kubrick was originally wanted to direct that film, and then he died, and he couldn't direct it. Uh, and then Steven Spielberg took over and, um, yeah, that, that was a weird movie, but yeah, I, I agree. I think we'll definitely start seeing more AI apocalypse films. Um, and I mean, after COVID, like I, we're going to get more like disease, I think there's uh, gonna be like, like related yeah. apocalypse films. Sure. It'll ramp up. And then I think it'll yeah. die back down. And then when the actual apocalypse happens, it'll be because of climate change. So, uh. Yeah. Well, I was waiting. Yeah, we'll I was, get more I was of those. Let's see if anyone was going to list it, list uh, <laughs> day after tomorrow, or like uh, 2012. That one. <laughs> day after tomorrow. I that was such a <laughs> I, not a good film, but <laughs> it is interesting though because we do have like blips recently of climate climate change being the cause for the apocalypse. But again, it's yeah. not like prevailing. It's not hitting the public consciousness enough, I think, where people yeah. are they're wanting to make a ton of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess the two films that people picked on this list, Wally and Snowpiercer, were probably they they had the most to do with climate change, like ending the planet. You know. I can't believe I didn't pick the happening. Have you guys seen the happening with Marky Mark? Yeah. I mean, Waterworld is a result of sea levels rising. So okay. Same idea. Yeah, the happening was the Eminem the- Shyamalan film where wind was killing people, uh, basically. No, it was- well, wind was talking to the trees, and then yeah. terrible was- movie. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say uh, the trees were releasing a pheromone that caused people to kill themselves, and the wind was just transporting yeah. those pheromones <laughs> across the world. Yep. But Marky and- Mark Band, and that's similar to that uh, Bird Box film with Sandra Bullock that was like huge just in 2018, and I feel like people have kind of laid off that film now. But that was a huge film in 2018. Is that worth watching? I, I think it's worth watching once. It's kind of like it's it's better than the happening. I'll, I'll say oh. it's a similar type of film, but like at least it, it's a bit better. Did than anyone film, see the new one that just came out, the Barcelona one? I, I can't I can't believe they made another one, but I haven't watched it. No, I didn't. 
Bird is it like Bird Box Barcelona? Yeah, it's just called Bird Box Barcelona. I assuming it's just the same concept, but Barcelona. But I, I really have no idea. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, I see it. Okay, weird. All right. Well, Caitlin's top four is Children of Men, Resident Evil, Twenty Eight Days Later, and Doctor Strangelove. And again, we will post uh, all of our Mount Rushmores on social media, and everybody will get to vote on it. Caitlin, did you have one more thing you wanted to say? I want a final critique, but to take it home for how bad your pick of this is the end was. <laughs> when I was 20, I ate an edible and I went on a date. And I came back from the date being like, the person was so funny. He was so fucking hilarious. It was such a good date. And my friends were like, Caitlin, that person wasn't hilarious. You just ate an edible. <laughs> and they're like, go on a second date with him, not eating an edible, and tell me if he's still funny. And I went on the second date with him. The man was just dry as a saltine cracker, right? Saltine cracker of a man. And I feel that that is that movie. Like, if how much marijuana did you and Kelly smoke where you're like, None. this is a funny movie? We just rewatched I, it, and it was like a classic, I felt. I don't know if I believe you. So. And I and I enjoy that they went the revelations route of like the end of uh the end of the world. Like it's a very original take on the end of the world in film. Like they haven't really gone a lot of revelations routes uh on the end of the end of the world in film. So yeah, I still think that movie's fucking hilarious. But that's just me. Either way, I want to shout out Rain of Fire. It has uh, Matthew McConaughey and um fuck the guy that played Batman. And it's in a world set with dragons, and they're fighting dragons. It's pretty awesome. There's a lot of guys that have played Batman. Uh, Christian Bale. That. That's who it is. Christian Bale, Matthew McConaughey. Fighting I, mean, I know dragons. who you meant, but like, come on. I've never seen that, but yeah, Christian no Bale one has. sounds good. It, no one has. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, pre- please remember to rate and subscribe us. And uh, I hope that you vote for my list and don't shit on this as oh. the end too much. So, man, I don't know why I thought Mountain Rushmore had five faces. Oh, well. <laughs> Here's my shout out. Train to Busan was going to be my uh, zombie film uh, that I was going to put on my film since Cole took the only other zombie film that I was going to put uh, with Shaun of the Dead. The Korean zombie film. That was phenomenal. That's what I think. That's on my list now. Yes. Oh, you haven't seen it? Mm-mm. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, it, it manages very, to completely take everything. Obviously, zombie translate. translate. You don't need English to translate zombie <laughs> fear, but holy shit. Yeah, really just take Snowpiercer and 28 Days Later and smash it together. Just zombies on a train, baby. 